Genesis 32, we're going to start picking up in verse 24, and if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, it's going to come up on the screen, and if you're watching online, it's going to come up on your screen as well, but the word of the Lord says this, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he, Jacob, said, Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he, the man, blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Beautiful, beautiful story that we just read here. So much randomness that's actually happening in this moment. But this is actually such an important moment in the life of Jacob. So as we study this character, as we study his story, and as, as we see what we can learn from this hero of the faith, truly believe that God is going to speak to us today. It's not anything I can say, but it's the word of the Lord that does all the work. So if you're writing those, which I hope you are, because if you don't write it, you do not remember it. And uh, in, in heaven, they do check your notes. So if you're writing those, I've titled this message, Hi, my name is... What? My name is... Who? My name is... Nah, it's just hi, my name is. <laughs> but before we continue, let's uh, close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's ask God to bless this time. So Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the minutes and the moments that we get to share, God. Thank you for just this church. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we're able to gather around your word. Father, I, I pray that while it's my voice, that it's your words that speak, that your Holy Spirit would minister and minister to your people and that you would break this apart however you seem fit. May it land on every heart however you seem fit, God. And that, Jesus, we would leave out of here different. We would leave out of here with clarity, knowing that you love us, you're for us, you're with us. And that, God, you just want to have a relationship with us. So, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And all the Calvary Church said... And all the Calvary Church said, if you, love if you love Jesus, can you make some noise one more time? Come on. So the text we just read, um, as I just mentioned, it's, a, it's an important moment in Jacob's life. Some may say this is like the climax of his life. This is a, a pivotal moment in Jacob's life. So like just to recap what we just read. So Jacob, he's all alone out of nowhere. We see this man appear, which we, we in hindsight know that this is God or a pre-incarnate. Uh, some scholars believe that this is a pre-incarnate Jesus, or at least it's confirmed. It's an angel of the Lord. So we know it's a representative or it is God. And he's wrestling with Jacob. From there, they're hosting WrestleMania 1906 BC. And he ends up with his hip broken. He ends up with a new name and then he's blessed. So much randomness happening right now. Like, it's like, what in the world is going on in just these short verses that we read? But what led to this moment, what's led to this, this opportunity where Jacob is wrestling with God is Jacob is actually preparing um, to meet the consequences of his life's actions. See, Jacob was petrified for his life in that night. Because Jacob, the following morning, knew that he was, ha was going to have to see his brother Esau face to face. We'll talk some more about Esau in a moment, but just to give you a, a, a quick summary, Esau was the recipient of all of Jacob's deception. 
that Esau was somebody that whenever Jacob did something, Esau was on the short end of the stick. All, all the losses in Esau's life is because of his twin brother, Jacob. See, some may say that Jacob deceived so often because he struggled with faith. Really, really the reason why Jacob always spent his life deceiving and tricking and, and lying and even trying to get the upper hand on his brothers because he had a problem with control. He tried to control his life. He tried to control his destiny. He tried to control his future. He tried to control the people around him. He was a, a manipulator, some may say. And, and, and here's the thing. His story serves as a great lesson for all of us today because... If we're being real today, we all have a problem with control. We all can, as much as we can fault Jacob for all of his lies and his deception and his control issues, we can actually relate to Jacob. Because we either love when we have control, we either love the idea of having control, or we always are fighting to have control. It's just something that we're born with. It's, it's just a tendency. It's a proclivity of the human, the human nature that we just need to have this feel, this, this sense of control and control the people around us. It's something we're born with. So for, the, for some of you that don't know, me and my wife, we have an 11-month-old at home, and he's the best. He's my best friend in the world. His name's Zachary, and I call him my bubby, and he, he's amazing. I love Zachary. So Zachary is a ball of energy. Like, this kid is super hyper. I don't know where he gets it from, and uh, he's always running around. So a couple of months ago, my wife and I, we decided to buy him a playpen, and it's a pretty big playpen, so he can run around. We give him some toys. He plays in there so that we don't have to follow him everywhere. Look, I have no living room anymore because of that playpen. So here's the thing about Zachary when he's in the playpen is that whenever he gets bored or whenever he just wants one of us in there or to pick him up, he begins to start screaming. Like when I tell you screaming, it's like, it's not your normal, ah, no, like it's, it like hits a frequency where it triggers you, where it's like, why are you talking to me? Like I have to remind myself he's a baby. Like, you know, like don't talk to me that way. And the reason why I know why he's screaming is because the moment I get into the playpen or the moment we pick him up, he's the happiest baby in the world. He's the, he, is, he, is, he is glad because he's trying to control what he's doing. He's trying to control mom and dad, essentially. And which, you know, I want to go, go on a tangent right now. This is, has nothing to do with the message. But in front of the congregation, in front of the Lord, in front of the cameras today, um, when Zachary is happy... He whispers and he mouths off, da, 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 or pa, 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 pa. But when he's mad, he's screaming, mama. So if that's, if that's any indicator of what he thinks about his parents, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's either here nor there. But maybe you hear today, you hear that and you're like, okay, but that's a baby. Of course, babies have needs. But what does that have to do with me as an adult? Well, I'm glad you asked. All right, so the, us in our adulthood, think about maybe a time where you were at work or maybe here in the church where you, want, you knew that there was a promotion available. Like you were able to get into a managerial role or you wanted to become a leader. You want to be considered a leader. You want to be given more. So as opposed to actually doing the work and earning it, you put more effort into just being seen. You put more effort in just getting your voice out there to make sure that everywhere, every time there's a meeting, you have something to say. Every time there's a, an email sent out, you reply to it. Not for the sake of just genuinely being submitted to that, but because you want to put your name out there, thinking that if you do that enough times and you put your face out there, you put your name out there, you put yourself out there, the position is yours. But then what happens when we don't get the job? Or what happens when we don't get that leadership role? Now the problem is no longer me, the problem is you know, the leaders or the, the problem is the manager. They're the issue. We get frustrated and we get bitter because we try to control the outcome. 
Or, or how about this? Maybe, maybe we, we, we care so much about what, others, what other people think about us that we try to control what they see in our life. So what we do is we create this false image in our own mind, this false lifestyle in our own mind so that we can control what other people think of us. So what ends up happening is to end up living up to that image, to that lifestyle, we take out credit card after credit card, loan after loan, and now we're in crippling debt because we cared about and we try to control what others thought. Okay, for all my married folk in here, for everyone that's been married, if you ever had an argument, or at least in my household, we called them heated discussions. Um, if you ever had a heated discussion, um, you always have to have the last word. Always, ha always have to throw in that last jab. The conversation's over. You're good. You, you know, you're now going your separate ways, but then you mumble something under your, under your voice. Because you want to dictate where your marriage goes and you want to dictate how the conversation goes. So then you do that time after time after time after time. Now you, your marriage feels like it's in turmoil and you can't even talk to each other because you try to control your marriage. Or, 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 or all right, let's, 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 let's go to another example. Maybe we're here today and some of us, we, we had this idea of what our life was going to look like. We, we made plans for our family. We made plans for our children. We, made, we, we had, by this year, by this time, by this day, we were going to have this, this, and that. We were going to travel across the world. We were going to own this much property. We were going to be able to accomplish so much. I was going to finish school. But then a global pandemic happens and puts the world on hold for a year. Or we end up losing our jobs suddenly and now our finances are all over the place. Or maybe you had this plan for your family, but you just lost your spouse or you just lost your child. And what happens there? When life does not go according to our plan, according to how we want to control it, we get frustrated, we get stressed, we end up with anxiety, we end up with depression, we end up just angry to the point where we don't even understand why we're angry. We're just mad because we try to control our lives. And the thing is, that, the thing is that we, it's, it's, it's subconscious, right? Like it's very, it's the human nature that we think that the more we try to control, the more freedom we will have, the more contentment we will have, the more peace we will have. But time and time again, the more as we control our lives, we end up finding ourselves in crisis. We end up finding ourselves frustrated. We find ourselves bitter. We find ourselves uh, angry with the people around us. Think about, think about it, like it gets to a point where we lose control of our emotions, where it feels like we're losing our mind, that you just have this cloud of darkness over your life, that nothing goes according to plan, that God clearly is not for you because clearly things are not going how you desired. And we struggle with control and it feels like our life is surrounded by chaos. So if we look at Jacob's life, then if we examine our own today, then we would see the big problem here is that chaos is the consequence of our control. Chaos is the consequence of our control. But again, let's go back to Jacob. Let's talk about this hero of the faith. And I'm certain that if today, if we were to have Jacob up here, if we were able to sit with him, invite him to church, take him to Circle Cafe, order a vanilla oat milk latte with brown sugar and an extra shot of espresso. I love our cafe. <laughs> if we were able to sit down with him today, I'm certain he would lead off by saying, let God have control of your life. Let God have control of your life. And here's the thing, he has the immoral authority to say that. Like he would know more than anyone how, how, how having, or the idea of having absolute control does not lead to freedom. That having absolute control does not lead to contentment. That having absolute control does not lead to anything that we think it will. But instead it leads to chaos. And some of us in here today, just like Jacob in this story, you're wrestling with God today. And you're wrestling with your faith. And, and God is telling you, hey, give me control. We're trying to control our families. We're trying to control our money. We're trying to control our children. We're, kind of, we're trying to control our life. 
And again, through this story, through the word of God, God is telling us, hey, just give me control. Stop fighting. Stop grinding. You don't have to anymore. You can be free today that we can trust God with control over our marriage. We can trust God with control over our career. We can trust God with control over our finances. We can trust God with control over our dreams, over our children's life, over every area of our life. That you don't have to fight. You don't have to struggle anymore. See, God is saying, stop, stop trying to hold on. Stop trying to hold on. Your hand, a lot of us, our hands are like this. Our faith is like this. That Man, I gave God my life. I gave him my heart, but I won't give him my wallet. I gave God my heart, but I won't give him my family. I gave God my heart, but I won't give him my time. So that's why I don't serve on team. But God is saying, hey, stop, 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 stop having a clenched hand. Open it up. Let go of that weight. Let go of, let go of that control. I'll say it this way. Release the weight of control and receive the gift of freedom. Be free today. Release the weight of control and receive the gift of freedom. Right, but let's, let's look at Jacob, right? Let's, let's look at his life. Let's, let's, this character study, this hero of the faith, this man who the Bible tells us ran with horses. Just to kind of summarize his life, in Genesis chapter 25, we first see Jacob. And Jacob was a twin in the womb with Esau. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 25 that Jacob and Esau wrestled in the womb. That they were fighting in the womb. And the Bible says that when, when they were born, Esau was the first one to be born. That you could see Jacob's hand grabbing his heel. That's why he got his name. The name Jacob is a, is a phrase. It means the heel grabber, which basically means you're a deceiver. You're a liar. You're a cheater. Like if you were doing good, Jacob would try to have the upper hand on you. He was, he was, a, he was not a fine human being. He was a terrible person. <laughs> like he was always trying to trick somebody. So, of course, the recipient of all that, as we mentioned, was Esau. So, besides the fact they're fighting from the day that they're born, he's trying to get control of trying to even just be the firstborn. We end up seeing time passes and that Esau, on a day that he comes back home from hunting, because he was a man's man, like Esau had a, a, a crossbow. This guy, this guy was hunting animals. He smelled like grajo. Like, he smelled terrible. Like, this, he, he drove an F-150, a diesel. You know what I mean? Like, he was a man's man. But he was hangry one day, and Jacob, knowing that, takes advantage of him. And he makes him sell his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Lentejas. I love, I love lentils, but not that much. <laughs> and if you think, that, man, like, man, Jacob, leave your brother alone. Like, you're, 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 you're going too hard on him. Like, leave him alone. If you didn't think that was enough, so uh, time, some more time passes than that. The Bible tells us that when Isaac, their father, was at the brink of death. Like, he was so old, this man couldn't even see anymore. And, and, and he was ready to give a blessing of a father in the Lord to his son, to his firstborn son. That was, like, in, in, in antiquity. And even now today, giving your firstborn, that blessing is a big deal. It was not something taken lightly. Like, that, that would make or break their life in that time, in that tradition. So Jacob, because he's always one step ahead, he knows that. And he ends up disguising himself as Esau. He ends up finding some fur, puts it all over him. He ends up like spraying himself with musk. He rolls around in the mud and he, he ends up going to his father who was blind and says, hey, I'm here. To, I brought this game to you. I'm here to be blessed. And even Isaac is like, wait, who's this I'm talking to? He goes, it's me. It's Esau disguised and he's lying and he's cheating and he ends up receiving the blessing the blessing that was intended for Esau again he's always just cheating he's always trying to get control of his life 
So then Esau hears about that and then he gets upset and he, he says, I'm going to hold a grudge against my brother and I'm going to kill him. Jacob, again, always being one step ahead, he hears about that, runs away, ends up into this foreign land where his uncle Laban is there, ends up falling in love with uh, his daughter named Rachel, says, hey, I will work for you seven years for your daughter. Ends up that on the day of his wedding night, after those seven years, the trickster gets tricked, which I'm going to just go on a side note right now that you reap what you sow. If you're going to sow trickery, you're going to get trickery. <laughs> if you're going to sow control, you're going to reap chaos. So he ends up getting the other sister, Leah, which the Bible says she was ugly in a very polite way. Like she had, she, it says that she had weak eyes. God is, thank you, Jesus, that you care for us, that you don't want to hurt our feelings. But she had a great personality. All right. So, so he, so he ends up working another seven years, ends up marrying Rachel and the hands and, and he ends up having children between the two sisters and their, and their two maidservants. So ends up having 13 kids in total, 12 boys, one girl, this guy, I don't know how he did it. I imagine how many birthday parties I I'm, I'm stressing over two right now, but that's a whole nother story. So Time passes altogether 20 years from when Jacob leaves his home, running away from Esau, to when God calls him and God speaks to him and says, hey, I want you to go back home. I want you to leave this land and I want you to go back to the land of your fathers. And in the process of that, Jacob ends up leaving without telling his father-in-law. Again, just trying to control the outcome because he felt like he wouldn't let him go. They end up tricking each other. A whole bunch of family drama. It's, it, it's, it's wild. Read your Bible. I'm telling you, it is not boring. It is far from it. And then we find ourselves to where we started reading today, where Jacob is prepared to meet Esau because where God is calling him, he knows that he's going to eventually have to see him. He ends up hearing that Esau is waiting for him with 400 men. This man's about to get jumped. <laughs> like, yo, goodbye, Jacob, you're over with. And he is petrified for his life. But Jacob doing what he does best, trying to control the outcome. What the Bible tells us in the, in the earlier verses in chapter 32, that he is, he's sending gifts and he's sending messages to Esau, just trying to, trying to butter him up, trying to warm him up, trying to control him, trying to manipulate him, trying to control the outcome so that he doesn't get killed. So much so Jacob struggled with his faith, even though God called him into going back to the land, knowing that God was for him, he struggled so much with his faith that he decided to split his family in two between the two sisters with the mentality, with the mentality that if one gets attacked, at least I still got my other. Again, still trying to control everything in his life. And again, that's where we pick up in the text that we read. Where finally, Jacob has this encounter with God. Where he wrestles with him. Where he ends up getting a new name. He ends up, he ends up, he ends up with a limp. He ends up with a broken hip. Which, by the way, I, I'm sure we all read, we all read uh, this text. And maybe we can uh, just assume that Jacob was maybe like 30, 40 years old. This guy was 97. Which makes sense why his hip broke so easily. But that's a whole other story. This guy was old. But Jacob, after this wrestling match, his life is forever changed. Again, it's a pivotal moment in his life. And as we examine the history of Jacob, as we look at this moment right now, what can we learn from him? How does that apply to us when it comes to us that maybe just like him, we struggle with control? That maybe us, we're, we're the deceiver. We're the supplanter. We're the liar. We're the cheater. What can we learn from him? I'm certain if Jacob was here today and we were to give him the mic, he'll tell us a few things. And I can imagine he'll probably start off by saying, hey, be humble. Just be humble. 
If we go back to the text that we read, it says that when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. His hip was put out of place, uh, put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. See, Jacob, at that point, he realized, like, I have to receive a blessing from you. I know that, I, I, I know that you're not just any man. He knew, and we obviously we read about it later on in the verses, that he had an encounter with God and that the blessing can only come from God. He had to humble himself saying that I couldn't bless myself. It had to come from you. See, for that breakthrough to happen in his life, it required brokenness. And for all of us in here today, what we need to do is come before God humbly. Come before him broken. See, to be broken is the foundation of humility. It's, it's to be stripped of our self-sufficiency. It's to, it's to no longer live or, or, or conduct ourselves independent from God. See, there's some of us in here today that we're just like Jacob's wrestling. And, and we're striving and we're working and we're grinding as if it all depended on us. As if we're the source of every good thing in our life. Man, we just need to humble ourselves to realize like, hey, there's no way that I can take care of myself. That's why faith is needed. That's why I need Jesus in my life to carry the weight. We need to come broken before him. So what does that mean on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or Thursday that when, say you're short on rent or you're short on some groceries and the temptation is there to take control and maybe change a couple of numbers on your taxes, maybe you can humble yourself and trust God as your provider. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're at work or in your family, somebody offends you and somebody's speaking poorly of you and you get offended and you're just mad and you want to get revenge on them. You want to clap back. You want to create a fake Instagram account and just put their name out there, right? Like maybe you can humble yourself and trust God to be your defender. Or maybe, maybe you're hurting. Maybe like just, just life has just not been easy. You've constantly been fighting and things aren't working out and you just feel depressed. You feel stressed. You just feel, you feel broken. Like not, not the brokenness that comes with humility, but you just feel like something is wrong. So what we do is we self-medicate and we sell and we think that we're going to comfort ourselves through a pill bottle, through, uh, through a liquor bottle, through pornography, through stress eating, through whatever it may be, thinking that this will bring me relief. Again, why don't we humble ourselves and trust God to be our comforter? See, to be humble is to trust God at his word of who he says he is. He makes promises to us that he will provide, that he will heal, that he will bless, that he will be there, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be our strength. But we have to be humble before him. And it doesn't mean that we just stop working. It doesn't mean that, okay, I'm going to, you know, Jesus take the wheel and that's it. We're not doing it. No, you can still work, but not as if it depends on you. See, Jesus tells us that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, which is a renewal, a, a, a blessed quietness for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. See, a yoke was a piece of wood that was used to put over oxen that as they plowed the fields that they would walk together side by side. And Jesus is saying, hey, take my yoke upon you that as you walk side by side by me, that you don't have to work at it like it depends on you. You can work like it depends on me. Let me carry the strength for you. Let me carry the burden. Let me carry the areas of your life. Let me, let me take care of you how I say I will. But we have to do that humbly. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 40 that those who wait, those who depend, those who 
trust in the Lord, that he shall renew your strength, that you will mount up like the wings of an eagle, that you will rock, you will walk and not grow weary, you will run and not grow faint. That the more that we, we present ourselves humble to, to the Lord, the more that we present ourselves broken to God, he gives us a new strength. That's what he desires. Uh, King David in Psalm 51 says that a broken spirit is a sacrifice of God that he desires. God loves humility. The Bible also, you see it time and time again, but the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 that it says that all, you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Look, I don't want to be in opposition to God. And there's some of us in here today, whether it's intentional or unintentional, that we are in opposition to God because we have a prideful spirit thinking that the only way that we're ever going to pay any bill in our life, the only way that our marriage is ever going to work out, the only way that our children are going to be successful, the only way that I'm going to be able to receive any blessing is by my own doing. But God is saying, be free today. Let go of that weight. Stop trying to control your life. Stop trying to remain in control. Stop wrestling with me. Just let me bless you. But we have to do that with a posture of humility. And again, when you're in opposition with God, you will always lose. Look, you can either be humble before him or be humbled by him. And here's the thing, God is going to get brokenness one way or the other. Whether you decide to come to him broken or he has to break you. And look, I'm hard-headed, I'm stubborn. I was that person that he had to break me. <laughs> Learn, here's the, here's the reason why we, we have this series, why we look at these heroes of the faith, why we look at these stories of these men and women that had problems and, and yet God still uses that. We can either experience them ourselves or we can learn from them. So if we have these examples, if we know what route not to take, then let's learn from them. Let's be humble. The second thing I'm sure Jacob would tell us is that to be real. Be real, just be honest. Be honest before God. Again, going back to the text that we read, the man, again, the man is God. Like, it's a figure of God. So he knows who Jacob is, but yet he asked him, hey, what's your name? And it was in that moment, I'm sure a light bulb just clicked. It just went off in Jacob's mind and said, hey, I'm Jacob. Yeah, I, I, I'm Jacob. I'm, I'm the heel grabber. I, I'm the deceiver. I'm the cheater. I'm, I'm the supplanter. I'm the liar. I'm the, I'm the manipulator. I'm the control freak. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm Jacob. And it was in that moment that he was able to own up to himself and be real with God before God and say, hey, this is who I am, that God was able to start a new work in his life. And there's some of us in here today that we need to deny ourselves so that we can find our true selves in Christ Jesus, that we need to be real with somebody. We need to be real with God. There are some things in our life, there are some defects in our personality or in our life that we're trying to brush under the rug, that we are trying to hide, thinking that, you know what, uh, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. We try to justify our sin. But we just got to be real with ourselves. See, that's, that's the beauty of the community that we have here at Calvary. That's why we have connect groups. That's why next week when we, when we have our connect group, uh, our connect Sunday, where you're going to see all the leaders out front, like be here and, and get to know somebody because you got to be real with someone. You got to be real with someone. You will always be as sick as your secrets. And God cannot heal what you fake. You can't fake the funk with him. Like it's just, it just doesn't work. Be real. See, like, again, let's go back. Let's go back to this text. Let's go back to this text. Let's go back to Jacob's story. So if we remember, he took Esau's birthright. So he was blessed as Esau. He lied to Isaac and disguised himself as Esau. And he was blessed as Esau. But it was in this moment 
when he was real, when he was honest, hey, I'm, I'm the cheater, I'm the liar, that he was finally blessed as Jacob. And there's some of us in here today that we need to get to that point. We need to just be honest and say, God, yeah, I'm Jacob. Yeah, I'm, me, I'm Adam. I'm, I'm the one that lied. I'm the one that stole. I'm the one that messed up. But God, I just need you to bless me. I need to hold on to you. I, I can't do this on my own. I'm tired of wrestling. I'm tired of fighting. I can't control my life anymore. God, I give it to you. And it starts with that. It starts with being real. And here's the thing. Again, in that moment, he said, okay, you're Jacob, but no longer. Now you're Israel. You're going to be the father to the, to the 12 tribes of Israel, to the nations. You're going to be a descendant of Jesus Christ himself. Because Jesus was a, was a descendant of the tribe of Judah. Like, what an honor. What that tells me is that what God will do the moment that we're real with him, he will take all of that, all of our sin, all of our imperfections, and he will, he will do what he says in Romans 8, 28. He will work all things out for the good according to those that are called according to his purpose and that love him. Not just some things, not just the good things, all things. And then with that, the moment he said, hey, you're real with me, now I give you a new identity. I know you said that was your name, but now your name is Israel. I know you said your name was cheater, but now your name is child of God. I know you said your name was liar, but now, was liar, but now your name is champion. Like the, for all of us in here today, we gotta remember that the moment we get real, he gives us a new identity. He gives us a righteousness that is not our own. Second Corinthians 5.21 tells us that, that for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteous of God that when God sees us he doesn't see you in your mistakes he doesn't see you in your sin he sees you as Jesus he sees you that who he has called you to be but we have to be real because we can't he, he won't heal what we fake so the first thing again is we're called to be humble Jacob will tell us to be real and third thing he'll tell us to be surrendered simply that just be surrendered if we go back to that text in verses 29 to 30, you know, after all of that, Jacob, he, he asked, he asked God, he asked the man, Hey, what's your name? Man says, Hey, why do you need to know my name? And if you notice, he never answered him. Like he never told him his name. And then right after it says that Jacob acknowledges that moment. He commemorates that moment. And he says that I'm going to name this Peniel because I have seen God face to face and I've been spared. I've been delivered. I've been changed. My life is not the same anymore. He acknowledged God even when it didn't make sense. See, what surrender, the definition is, is to cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and to submit to their authority. He had to submit to God's plan. No longer trying to put things in it. Because remember, God called him back into Canaan. He called him. So God knew that Esau was going to be there halfway there and that he was going to meet him. But yet Jacob, trying to get control, God's like, no, 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 trust my plan. That even in, even in the shadow of the valley of death, that you will be led through, through green pastures. I will lead you. That you will be saved. That I will protect you because I got you. But stop trying to control your life. Jacob, stop it. Man of God, woman of God, stop it. Be free today. Let go of that weight. Receive that gift of freedom that only he can give you. Be free today. Be surrendered. And there's a lot of us in here today that we're, we would be called an enemy of God. See, a lot of times we think an enemy of God is just like a demon or, you know, or antichrist figure. Yes, those are enemies of God, but an enemy of God is anybody that goes in opposition to God's will. 
And there's a lot of us today that we're living our lives. Again, we gave God our life. We said, Jesus, hey, I accept you in my heart. I have fire insurance. I'm not going to hell anymore. But yeah, I, I, you're, we're living our lives in opposition to his will for our life today. And we need to make that decision today to surrender. We need to make that decision today to say, I will not live my life how I dictate anymore, but instead I will live according to the plan that God has set out for me from today on. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust to Him. Trust them to Him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to His will and guidance. See, God's plan gives purpose. I didn't mention it earlier, but in the time when the boys were born, when Esau and, and Jacob were born, God tells his mother, Rebecca, that the older will serve the younger. It was already part of God's plan to have Jacob rule over his brother. But Jacob, doing what he does best, living up to his namehood, he had to control. He, and he caused all this chaos for his life. So I'm certain he would tell us, hey, don't worry about that. Don't worry, God, God, God's got you. Just be humble. He's going to take care of you. Hey, just be real with him. Hey, if you've made mistakes, that's okay because God forgives you and he will use that for his glory. Hey, just surrender to him. You don't have to, you don't have to fight anymore. You can be free today. And the Bible goes on to tell us that this man of God, this, this man who was a deceiver, who was a cheater, who was a faithless control freak, the Bible commends him in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. It says that so by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. It was his surrender, it was his submission to God's authority that not only blessed him, it blessed his children, it blessed his children's children, his children's children. It's just that moment of surrender that we can make today will affect the generations to come after us. And if it's worth any encouragement of Jacob's stories, that it doesn't matter what mistakes you have, doesn't matter what name that you have, what name you've been carrying for yourself, but guess what? God will allow your past to not dictate your future. Instead, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your children's children. He wants to use you wherever you're at. He wants to abuse you in your workplace, in your family, in your school, in every area of your life. But we need to come to him humbly. We need to come to him broken. We need to be honest and real with him. We need to be surrendered to him and not trying to, not trying to hold on anymore. Be free today. Why don't we stand up to our feet as we wrap up service? And, and you know, I... I just want to share just a quick story. If anyone is familiar at all with my story, I, 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 I am passionate about this message. I'm passionate about the life of Jacob because I was Jacob. I was that deceiver. I was that liar. I was that cheater. You know, for those that don't know, look, I don't deserve to be here today. Just because I have a mic does not mean my life was perfect. I spent a majority of my life lying to people, manipulating people, stealing every mistake in the book you can think of. You know, my dad, he passed away when I was 13 years old and I was just a kid. I was just a kid that just missed his dad growing up. But from that, I had to create this image in my mind that I had to be a man. So from the age of 13, I started working. And from there I said, you know what? I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna pay my own bills. I bought my own car. I paid my own phone bills. I did everything for myself, independent. I don't need God. I don't need my parent. I don't need anyone. I just have me. And time and time again, I would hit, I would hit a roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. 
And it got to the point where it really got to my head and I started working for a company, great company to work for, and they offered me a relocation package to live in North Carolina in their headquarters and I worked there and it was great and I was making a lot of money, I was doing great. But for a year straight, I thought about killing myself every single day because life wasn't going how I, how I planned. I had lost my mind, I lost my dad. At that point, I lost my girl, <laughs> I lost myself. And every single day driving home on a highway that was on a mountain, I would think, why don't I just drive off right now? I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this chaos. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I don't want to control this anymore. And it was in that moment where I remember I just screamed out like, God, like if you're real, can you do something? I came humbly to him like, hey, I just need you right now. I'm, I'm Adam. I'm, I'm the drug addict, I'm the alcoholic, I'm the person drinking myself to, to sleep every single night. I'm the person smoking weed every single night. I'm, the, I'm, I'm that person. Can you please help me? And I remember just from that moment, just I, I end up going to a church, I give my life to Jesus, and, and obviously here I am now, right? But it, I, the reason why I share this story today is not to, not to make you feel sorry for me or anything like that, but let that be an encouragement to you, that no matter what mistake that you made, no matter what sin that you have done, no matter what your past looks like, God will use it. He will use it for His glory. He will use it for His honor. He will bless you. He will bless your children. He will bless your children's children. We just need to let go of control and give it all to him. So what I want to do right now, if we can all just close our eyes and bow our heads, I want to pray for two groups of people. Maybe you're in here today and that's your struggle. You are a Christian. You are someone that says, hey, I gave my life to Jesus, but I just, I just always have to put things in my own hands. It's hard for me to trust him. With eyes closed and head bowed, I'm going to ask in the count of three, if you could put your hand up and I just want to acknowledge, I want to pray for you. And I want to acknowledge who I'm praying for. So if that's you here today and you want prayer for that, you want to be freed from the weight of control and be given that gift of freedom. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, okay, okay. Yep. I see you. I see you. Our arms lifted. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to do this on our own. God, thank you. Just thank you that you are good, that you are faithful. Jesus, I pray for every single person here under the sound of my voice, whether they're here or watching online, God, that, Lord, that you would bless them. That, God, that you would remind them, God, that you are the, you, you are the source of every good thing. That Jesus, you bring provision, you bring healing, you bring comfort, you bring peace, Lord. I pray that over their life, God, that we wouldn't need to fight anymore. We wouldn't need to fight for control anymore. We wouldn't need to fight or struggle anymore. We don't need to wrestle with you anymore, God. But instead, we can be reminded through our own limbs, God, that Jesus, that you love us, you're for us, and that God, that you're with us. So God, I pray freedom over your church today, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And um, I want to pray for another group of people with eyes still closed, heads still bowed. Just really, nobody really moving around. Just this is the most important part of our service. If I can ask if you could just stay, we're going to wrap up in just a minute. Um, if you're in here today and you would say you you don't have a relationship with God, like you hear this message and maybe that first step is actually just surrendering your life to Him giving your life to Jesus that you can trust him at who he is and he can really he can show up for you but you're done trying to live life your own way you you're you want to you want to live for him see the bible tells us that that God is holy and because he is so holy he can't be with sin and you and I we're all sinners we all have fallen short even on our best day our good works are like filthy rags onto him 
but the price for sin is death. And God, knowing that, knowing that there's no way that we can ever pay our own price, the one that we deserve to pay, he, he sent us on Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the standard that you and I can never fulfill. And Jesus gave himself up on a cross. He was stabbed, he was beaten, he was spat on, humiliated, embarrassed, really for you, for you and for me. He had you in mind. And that three days later, after he died, he rose again to defeat what's called the sting of death so that all you and I need to do is believe in our heart and declare in our mouth that he's Lord and that he rose from the dead and that we can receive that free gift of forgiveness. The bill is paid. That we can spend eternity with him. That if the day of tomorrow we were to die, we would be in heaven with him. And if that's you here today and you feel far from God and you want to start a relationship with Jesus or you're here today and maybe you, you've prayed a prayer like this but you feel so far from him that you would say you backslidden and you want to recommit your life to Jesus. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. You can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to do anything like that. I just really want to acknowledge who I'm praying for. So if that's you here today and you want a fresh start, you want a fresh beginning, you want a, a new identity in Jesus, and receive that free gift of forgiveness. On the count of three, put your hand up. One, your life will never be the same. Two, God loves you. And three, put your hand up. Put your hand up. God bless you. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you in the back. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. And look, if you're here and you made that decision, I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer to a pastor. It's not a prayer to a church. It's a, it's a prayer to God. And it's a simple repeat after me prayer. It's, it's, I just want to facilitate this first conversation for you. And because we're a family, we're all going to say it together. So if you're in here or watching online, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I am healed, and I'm forgiven. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. And all the Calvary Church said, amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together one more time for everybody who made that decision? Hey. Look, if you just prayed that prayer and you made that decision, I just want to say congratulations. It's truly the best decision you can ever make. Your life will be blessed. I can't say it will be perfect, but you have the perfect one with you. And if you made that decision, we actually have a free gift for you. Thank you so much. And, and we're gonna, you're going to see a bunch of team members right outside of our lobby waving around these bags. Please do not leave out of here without this bag. Like It has a Bible in there. It has a, a letter from Pastors Alex and Diana, a, a coffee voucher from our Circle Cafe. But please get this in your hand. No, no strings attached. We just want to bless you and be a resource for you. So make sure you see our Connect tent right out front. But church, can we put our hands together one more time for everyone who made that decision? And, um, and look, I hope... I hope that as we go about our week that we will remember the story of Jacob. We will remember that limp he had. And that we, even in our own limps, that we will remember that God is for us. He's with us. And we can trust him and no longer have to control our life. But we're going to leave out of here worshiping one more time, talking about how great our God is. But before we do, why don't we lift up our hands and let's pray. And so I can bless your week. So Jesus, we thank you, God, once again. We thank you, Lord, that you're for us and you're with us. God, I pray that you bless every single person here. God, that you keep us safe throughout our week, God. I pray for traffic not to be terrible as we go back to school. Jesus. Jesus, and that God, that you keep us safe everywhere that we go. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.